0: Well, I want to give you a a quick update and and just tell you how glad we are to be here and how much we appreciate your church, and you're a large supporter of the ranch and the the ministry there, and so we want to acknowledge that and and be grateful for that. This summer, we had almost 1,200 kids come through the summer camp. It was a a banner year, up a few from last year, but uh, there were many children that got saved, And, and that's very important part of what we do. And we, we're always looking to, to see, you know, how God is working in, in the lives of these young kids that are coming through. And so uh, m- my son Michael was a counselor. My, my daughter Rachel was a counselor. My son Stephen helped me work on some construction projects. And so they got to be involved too. And Jen was discipling some of the, the summer staff. So we were very involved in in summer camp. and And we're happy that it went well, and everything's good. We just started a new year of School of Discipleship, and are you familiar with what that is? That's their college program. We've graduated hundreds of students. Uh, it first started in 1980. We just started a new year, and there is 39 students in for this year. And that was, enrollment was up for that, and we're very much looking forward to being able to invest in, in these college students for a year. As they take Bible classes and do work projects and work alongside us as staff. And that's been, been fun. We have a, tonight when we get home, we, we have a, a group of them coming over. We have Sunday evening fellowship with them, try to get to know them. And that's always fun. Another project that I, I wanted to just tell you about briefly that we're working on is I don't know if you've heard about our mission trip that we take to Mexico. We've been going every Easter for the last eight years, we helped plant a church in a Pima Indian village, high in the Sierra Madre mountain range. And it's, it's a unique country. It's, it's uh, over 7,000 feet of elevation. And so there's the Pima Indians, there's no electricity. There's no running water to speak of. There's no normal bathrooms. like we, It's outhouse style, uh, prairie style. And we, we planted a church in this village that had not been evangelized and it it was it had a small catholic presence to it but the, even the catholicism in in mexico is a superstitious type of catholicism it's not even you might have friends that are catholics that you believe are are good saved people maybe we'll differ on some important theological points but uh i believe that there's some saved catholics there i'm not so sure it's very superstitious and and uh almost creepy uh, the way they, they operate in this, this country. And so we were able to be a part of a church plant that, that saw many come to, to Christ. And, and a, a very neat story I want to tell you. The guy who started this work in this village 20 years ago had a burden from God to go and, and, and get there. And he, he drove to the gate, and the <coughs> there was a guy at the gate, and it was a long way in. It takes us three and a half hours to drive 30 miles, to get or 29 miles, to get to this village. It's just up and down, like Rocky Mountain-type stuff, cow paths, going through pasture. He got to the gate, and this guy came out to the gate, and he said, you know, what do you want? He said, well, I, I just wanted to ask some questions, find out who lives here, and, and so this is a pastor, a Mexican pastor that had a burden for this people group and he said oh come on in so he went to his house well he started talking and he says "Well, what do you do for a living and the guy said well i'm a i'm a pastor and he says oh we don't like your kind around here uh he says the last ones we drove off we we drove them out of town and but he'd already been talking to him for a little while and and so um he said well I'll, i'll let you stay you know so it Asked him some about the needs of the town. They needed food. They needed to learn how to farm. They needed a lot of different things. And so he said, how can I help you with some of these things? And the guy said, okay. So he kept coming back to visit. And eventually, this guy became very interested in, in this, him being a, a, a Christian. Why are you doing these things? Why, why are you doing this? And he kept telling him, I'm a Christian. And I'm I led by Jesus to, to do these things, to, to minister to you. And then the guy contracted terminal cancer. He was an elder in the village and he contracted terminal cancer. He waited for the next visit from the pastor and he said, I want to be like you. What what do I have to do to be uh to become a Christian? This is a Pima Indian elder. And so they he he shared plain the gospel with him. And I preface this with a little while before this, new tribes had been there and they drove him out with stones and, and, and said, get out, get out, get out. And now, now an elder in the village is a believer. Well, he ended up passing away shortly thereafter, within a few months. And when he died, the pastor was contacted by his family and they said, you got We don't know what to do with him. Uh, we know what to do with one of ours, but he's one of you now. So I, we don't know. What, how do, you, what do you do when, when one of yours dies? And he says, I will be there. I'll. And so they had a funeral in the middle of the village. And the whole village came. And at the funeral, he preached the gospel to the village. And then they began to, to pray. And at the, that time, the, the children of this man... Became believers, so now we have a couple believers in the in the village. They said, um, "He said, is there any r- land available in the village that we can can build a church?'" And eventually, one came forward and said, "I have some some land, and it was perfect land. It was right in the middle of the village." And and he said, uh, "You can you can have this land if you build a church." So, eight years ago, I was part of the initial group that went in there to start building this village, building the church. A group from Canada was the, the lead on it, but the, the church became built, and two years ago the, the church opened in February, and this was kind of interesting. The mayor of the town said, they're all kind of standing back, pretty much saying, "Oh, what's going to happen here? It took six years for the, the church to be built, and he says, if you build it, we'll come. And I don't think they've watched the movie. They don't have TV there, but if you build it, we'll come. And so on the opening day in this village of 300 people, there were 800 people at the church. They came out of the, the woods and, and everywhere to come to see what was going to happen at this, at this church. And again, the gospel is preached. And uh, there are now a, a group of about 35 believers there. And so I tell you all that to tell you, the project we're working on is we're trying to help them with water. We, they've asked us every year we've been there, can you help us with water? And we, we have started a project. We are building a well drilling rig at Miracle Mountain Ranch, and we're going to take it down there sometime this fall, hopefully, and you keep that in your prayers, and then uh, help them to, to be able to, to get water. They have no wells in the village. They, they gravity feed from a spring nine miles away, that took three hours to get there um, by four-wheel drive just to find the, the thing. And then they have chocolate water for three months out of the year where the whole village, you know what happens when you have chocolate water. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a bad thing. We, we really want to help them with that. And so you can keep that in your prayer. Pastor Matt asked me if I'd express that project to you a little bit and t- tell you more about it. And you can find out more by talking to me directly. So what I want to do is I want to ask you a couple questions. I want to ask you a question, and I need feedback just initially. If you'll give me some cooperative feedback, we'll be good to go. When you think of the gospel, when you hear the, the term, the gospel, I want you to tell me what comes to your mind, and I'm going to pick like the first six people that raise their hand. I just want you to, to express. You're going to express the same thing that, that everybody else is thinking anyway probably, but when you hear the, the, the gospel, what comes to your mind? Yes. Rescued. 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 Yeah, what else? What? The good news, the good news. And what is the good news, though? What? Jesus died f- for our sins. That's right. Absolutely. What else? Salvation. Two more. Hope for eternity. One more. God's true word. That's right. That the good news is God's true word. I began a study of um, looking through the scriptures and, and looking at the presentation of the good news. And I realized that there's, it's given to us in, in many like chapters or, or succinct uh, sections of scripture where we kind of got the plan of salvation. And one thing that I was curious about is... I began to notice something that was always attached to a presentation of the gospel, whether it was Christ, whether it was Paul, whether it was Peter, whether it was James, whether it was... Am I missing anybody? I think I got most of the New Testament in there right there. There is something in there that's always attached to the gospel that we don't necessarily think about right away. And I've asked this question to multiple congregations, And I've never got the answer that I was looking for. I got the answer that you all gave and the ones that I would have given too. What do you think of when you hear good works and the gospel? Is Is there a connection between good works and the gospel? Is that part of the gospel? Is that part of the good news? And so here we go. The Gospel is god 's plan for my salvation and my sanctification, my good works all done through faith and the the salvation, the rescue the the hope that 's the beginning and but we 're saved for a purpose and so turn if you will to Ephesians chapter two here 's one of those I told you many succinct passages that talk about the gospel and kind of give us a sum of it. Let's look and, and watch how this unfolds. And you're going to be amazed as we look at the different passages how this is, there's always good works mentioned in the gospel. And I think there's a healthy tension there because a lot of our friends that would, would be religious would think that good works are what does the saving. Right. Well, I hope I'm going to get there because I've been a good person, or this or that. And then, on the other side, we like to keep the good works off the gospel, almost because we're afraid that someone might attach that to it. But it's not kept apart in the scripture, as we'll see. Ephesians chapter 2. Check this out. I'm just going to read the first ten verses. This is a summation of being saved by grace. According to, that's how my Bible lays it out here. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. There's our hope, there's our rescue. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, pay attention. For by grace are ye saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul, he likes to play with words a little bit, so he says that uh, we're not saved by works, but we are his workmanship, created To good works, right? That were before ordained. And so I began to see a pattern as I'm looking here in every section of Scripture, pretty much that sums up the gospel, it's always concluded with this thing that we are created for good works. And you may think to yourself, yeah, are you sure about that? (coughs) I'm not so sure it's in every passage. Well, I have a, that's what this is, it's pretty much a a list. And we're going to, kind of plow through a little survey there and see what you think as we check out some other ones. Uh, real briefly, if you just look at Romans, the first several chapters are pretty much a treatise about what salvation is, but then it heads right into, into chapter 6 where it's talking about uh, walking in the newness of life. I thought it was interesting, kind of the theme from the opening prayer. Who remembers the opening prayer? It was kind of unique, right? Uh, to the song, Holy, 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 to uh, In Christ Alone, a couple of verses in there, gave us a theme of, of walking in, in holiness and, and coming out from and being separate from the world there, uh, set apart for God's use. Uh, let's see, Corinthians, the conclusion of Corinthians is the discourse on love, and it tells you what it is and it's, it's, its works. Galatians, after a discussion of what the gospel is, it ends with the, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> so we don't want to get, we want to be reminded of and we want to connect the good news. is not just our fire insurance. We've escaped hell. But we have a, we've been created for a purpose here. And so this is how I kind of think the the prepositions fit together. Who's the English people in here? Anybody know about English and grammar and all that? (coughs) Uh, All right, well, a preposition. A preposition is like by, through, for, to. Cause and effect. Salvation is, is, works are never the, the cause, but works are the effect of salvation. We are saved by grace, through faith, for the purpose of good works. That's right. It's in there. It's every, every time. It goes down through. So we'll bring God glory by our good works. There's a pattern there. As the gospel is preached uh, in every place, th- this effect is attached to it. It's never the reason for our salvation, but always the fruit of salvation. It's never the cause for us boasting in ourselves, but it will be a cause for bringing glory to to God, our Father. Good works are never the starting point, but they're always the ending point. That's where salvation takes us, um, beyond heaven. Good works are, and I thought this was interesting, because I think it was you that was mentioning... um, one of you were mentioning ab- about trying to live um I don't know, is it was it you, your testimony what did you share something in the prayer time or it was somebody else i'm sorry they said trying to trying to live trying to to live a holy life or to to live well listen that's good but it has to be done through the spirit it can't be done through the flesh right and so good works are never pleasing to god if it's something you're doing on your own, apart from him. But they're always pleasing to God when done through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's do a little... I'm going to just read some of the the verses here. Uh, Jesus, if you go to Matthew 25, and he says, What are the good works? Good works can be divided into several categories, but one is ministering to the needs of people. And Matthew 25, 34 to 40, It says, Then the king shall say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. And then the righteous, that's us, by the way, will answer and say to him, Lord, when did we see thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? Or when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee, or when saw we sick, thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, or to us, Verily, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Our good works, part of the good works, are, are seeing needs of people around us. I was talking to somebody this morning, and they said that they were always looking for someone that, that needed financial assistance to get to camp because they like to help people that were on the edge there to be able to get there. That's, that, that's good works. That's looking for a need and, and meeting it, a practical need. It also is what we're trying to do to that village in, in Mexico, is we're trying to glorify God by helping that church and grow and by helping those people stay healthy and get clean water. So that's one thing, is doing good things. I think that's probably the easiest one. When you think about good works, you think about doing something nice for somebody. But don't <coughs> stop there, because that one pretty much anyone, anyone can do. There's one that's not so, so easy. James says this, in James 1, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to what? And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now that one I think is the tough one, right there. We like to do nice things for people, and we kind of rack that up into the good works category. But to be to actually be yielding ourselves to God—that's a different story—and and and letting Him have His way in, in all areas of our life. Let's see. Paul taught us that the Word of God is given us instructions toward good works. Second Timothy 3, 16-17. All Scripture is given by God, by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Pretty interesting. Paul taught us also that for, for the description of a, of a godly woman, it should be a good work should be adornment. I don't know how much time you spent getting ready for church this morning, uh, adorning yourself with the normal church attire. I suspect I probably didn't spend as much time as some of you because you you look a little <laughs> more well up than I do, and uh, guys don't spend that much time anyway. We got the fortunate uh, thing of the, the very short hair and and uh, uh, we just don't have to do that. But God said, through Paul, good works are the adornment of a godly woman. He also says that, uh, let's see, that was in in 1 Timothy 2, 9-10. Women should adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly ray, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Paul also said that in order for a widow to be taken under the care of the church, they ought to have the testimony of of having good works. Young men, so women, they got theirs. Young men, Paul taught in Titus 2, 6-8, Young men likewise, exhort them to be sober-minded in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness and gravity and sincerity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Paul taught us that we needed to be zealous for good works. In Titus 2, 11 through 5 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Okay, there we go. We're given the plan of salvation here. Teaching us that, and here's denying godliness, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people who are zealous of good works. Titus 3, we have the gospel message here. But after that kindness and love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Being justified by grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these I will affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works which are profitable to all men. The writer of Hebrews tells us to hold each other accountable, to push and prod, to to challenge us. It says, let us hold... fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he that is faithful that promised let us consider one another and provoke us this is the one time you get to provoke your brother provoke your brother to love and good works james teaches us that a person who says they have faith and don't have works that faith is dead it doesn't save him that's in chapter 1 or chapter 2 Peter teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, you may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So I want you to just think about that. As you're reading your Bible and as you see the the, the gospel repeated over and over by all these authors. Look for that addendum there. It's always on the end there. That it's for a purpose. And it isn't just so we can get to heaven. And so we can escape hell. God has a plan for each of us. And it's that he received glory by by us embracing this idea of good works. Um. 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to give you one more that it says. <clears throat> Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, I, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, as you have received of us, how ye ought to walk to please God. How you ought to walk to please God. Somebody said that phrase this morning. One to please. May God be pleased, or, or something. I'm listening to all the things that have been said, and and because I've, I'm tying them into my notes here <laughs> and, and what I've been meditating on. This is, a, this is something, uh, just think about this one. In today's culture, where self is, is celebrated in every form of expression, self-discovery, self self-self, self-self, and you are the center of the universe, it's hard for even a Christian who's embraced that to imagine that there are things that please God and there are things that don't please God. This self-centered person just thinks that, well, hey, I'm in love with myself. God must love me too. I love these things. God must love them too. Whatever I love, God loves. There are things that God's pleased with, and Paul says he taught them how they ought to walk to please God. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, (coughs) that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have forewarned and testified. God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And that's something he's calling us to now. So why do we need this? Why do we need to hear this? Why is it attached? Well, it's the same as... The gospel, the same thing that saved you. You heard it. By faith, you believed it. And it's part of, of the good news. The good news is we are free from self and sin. We have died and been crucified with Christ. Our old man is gone, and we need to live in Christ and let Christ live through through us. And And that is a truth that we just need reminded with constantly. So, as you think about the miracle of your salvation, and you you make the, that part of the the wonder of your life today, and you're on your ride home, and you think, I'm saved. Don't let the wonder end there. Let the wonder end with what you're saved to, and that there's a there's a very important part of good works, which include needs of those around you, it includes separating yourself unto the whole use of God and putting away uncleanness and, and, and pure religion undefiled is to minister to the widows and the orphans and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And that's a particularly difficult thing to do uh, for a Christian these days. The world wants every part of you, and they'll, but they'll s- be satisfied with just a little bit of you at first and suck you in. Keep yourself unspotted from the world.